Welcome to Intersections, the RIT podcast. Science is all about discovery. Today, science professor Andre Hudson talks with Kit Mayberry, RIT Vice President for Strategic Planning and Special Initiatives, about what he learned about himself as a teacher and a scientist while mentoring three high school students on a project that led to published findings in an academic journal. I haven't had the opportunity to ask this of too many of our capstone faculty. Um, You are used to teaching college students, 18 to 22 roughly, master's students as well. But my guess is it's been a long time, if ever, that you've been in a teaching learning environment with uh, adolescents who are 17, 18 years old. And I'm, I'm curious about what you see as the major differences, cognitively, um, developmentally, and, and also why you like to do it, because you clearly do. Well, um, excellent question. I think uh, I could put myself in your situation uh, because I was that age once mm-hmm. uh, as a student who right. was uh, interested in science as well. And and so to, it kind of brings me back there um, in terms of someone that's giddy and excited about science and wanted mm-hmm. to be there. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, there is not really that many um, differences. Yeah. Um, I think um, aptitude and competence and interest and passion are, are ubiquitous mm-hmm. uh, regardless of age, mm-hmm. I, I, I would think. But the, the key, I think, is more maturity mm-hmm. uh, in terms of yeah. the, how the students handle themselves. Do they want it to be there? Do they show up on time? Do they put mm-hmm. the, the effort? Do they have what I call follow-up and follow-through? Mm-hmm. But the experience actually uh, made me more cognizant of um, teaching, actually. I, I mm-hmm. think if I do this often or do this more often, um, it will actually make me a better teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, Someone said if you could explain things um, well enough to that even a baby could understand right. it. That means you know right. it. Right. Um, and so how to break complex things down mm-hmm. and, and many things at the same point uh, to a point where it's easily digestible uh, for students to understand. I think that's right. the beauty of teaching. Did you find that these students who were all seniors in high school and all college bound, did you find that they had the necessary pre-existing knowledge to jump off where you wanted to jump off, or did you have to backtrack for them some? One of the things I think that the capstone provided is that it started early enough mm-hmm. in the process mm-hmm. where we could liaise with the students, mm-hmm. um, actually yeah. met them, um, so where we could give them some background reading and some kind of things to get them up to speed as to what expectations are. Um, so I think that helped um, a lot. I think also their um, from for me in particular, they had Dr. Sarah Montgomery, who was their high school science teacher, who was also have a biological background and was a major in biology, has a PhD in the biological sciences. Mm-hmm. So I think she actually kind of reinforced things on her end. Right. Um, so she was able to help um, help us out a lot. Yeah. As well. yeah. yeah. I mean, I think one of the best things in terms of teaching and learning that's very important. It's humility, mm-hmm. and I think I think it's the first step towards learning is you have to humble yourself. Yeah. And, you know, so especially this, this is one of the reasons I'm fascinated. I love science, right, because the topic itself humbles you and you're approaching questions that you don't know the answers mm-hmm. to. Professors are really no much different than students. Right. We may be able to write better and mm-hmm. articulate better, mm-hmm. and et cetera. But in terms of the process of approaching right. science, it's, right. I, I think it's... That's uh, interesting. You know, yeah. Yeah, there are actually science, scientists already uh-huh. in, in, in that sense because, right. you know, they ask questions mm-hmm. and then just kind of figure out a way how to answer them and then mm-hmm. to tell people what the answers are. And yeah. that's, that's basically science in a nutshell. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they're actually scientists already. In the case of these three young women and, and finding this bacterium that was unknown yep. to you and unknown to most 
people, yep. right? You really were equally in the dark. I mean, you had the yes. language, you had the terminology, you, you, know, you had more context, but you were as new to it yes. as they were. Yeah, exactly. Which, do you think they realized it? I mean, I don't, um, going through the process, I, I don't think they, they knew about it, mm-hmm. I, 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 or I didn't know about it going through the process until we got towards the very end. But I think inquiry-based learning rather mm-hmm. than uh, I could have designed something that was very cookbook right. and basically you knew the results, the results yeah. or they're just confirming yeah. it. But I thought, um, you know, the process of science, right, so the the goal was not to do something successful. It was just mm-hmm. to ask a particular question. Right. Um, and, and so we could have found a bunch of things that were known and ubiquitous mm-hmm. and not as mm-hmm. interesting, and they just happened. And, and, and I think it's a great story how science is, a lot of science is, you know, serendipitous. Yep. You know, I mean, yep. a lot of the great findings in science were completely by accident. Yeah. You, you approached it one way, you were thinking a different thing, and you accidentally find something and it mm-hmm. kind of diverts you in that particular right. direction. Right. So it's, um, you know, wanted to create a, a project or an experience that mm-hmm. have all aspects of science, which, mm-hmm. are, you know, you ask a question that's unknown. Mm-hmm. It's novel. Right. You design it. You right. discuss it. You right. collaborate. And what was the actual question? If, if you can reduce it to a single question, what was it? All right. So the question was, can we find a bacterium or bacteria um, from common places that people would use mm-hmm. um, or have contact with that could produce um, antibiotic compounds towards other bacteria. Mm-hmm. Um, that was basically the question in a nutshell. Can mm-hmm. we identify a bacteria or bacterium um, that we could exploit for something mm-hmm. useful? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they isolated a, a plethora of bacteria, mm-hmm. and we just happened to find one out mm-hmm. of the, the many that they isolated that had these um, useful properties mm-hmm. that we think, yep. If I understand it correctly, because this bacterium does have anti- antibacterial abilities, right? Is that right? Yes. Um, it could be a way of using the bacteria to the good, right? Yes, yeah. exactly right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, really leveraging its abilities to right. kill other bacteria, basically, right? Exactly. Right? Yeah. So the, the purpose of um, this publication is to tell the scientific community that we've isolated this one particular mm-hmm. bacterium. It has these properties. And then um, we will keep on studying it in our lab because it never ends, as you know, yeah, right. um, to kind of um, find out what these compounds are or what the compound is, to identify the compound using a series of biochemical um, mm-hmm. experiments mm-hmm. Um, downstream, and, and then to, to go up from there. So it wouldn't surprise me if we have a follow-up paper at some point in the yeah. future yeah, um, really. describing mm-hmm. um, exactly what's, um, mm-hmm. what are the underlying biochemical properties of this particular bacteria. The amazing thing is this is something they can put on their resume. Yes. Yeah. From now on out. Yes. Exactly. I mean, that's extraordinary. Yeah. Really. I mean, I, I mean, it's, to provide some context, I never got my first publication until I was a graduate student, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And here they're all high school students, and, you know, they contributed in a major way, and, yeah. and that's why they were called authors on the paper. But I, I, I think the, the, the facts, what I told them was that, you know, it will be reposited somewhere mm-hmm. and for the end of time it will yeah. be there right? and so yeah. this is something um, you know you could show your kids and your grandkids yes. and your great grandkids yeah. etc right. Right. so it's as science is you know when you do sciences you basically you're leaving a piece of yourself right for for now and forevermore right, right? so whether right. you're um, when we were long gone, yeah. someone could um, look yeah. them up and they found them and they made these major contributions yeah. to um, science. And will you continue doing this research? Is that what you're saying? You, you, you will be following it up? Yes. Yeah, so my, um, the research in my lab, uh, one of the projects 
in my lab has to do with antibiotic discovery and antibiotic mm-hmm. development. So it's a, it's a theme of right. my lab. Right. And so we're always working on projects that are related to that particular theme. So, yes, we will um, mm-hmm. continue to follow up. Mm-hmm. Lab, mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll stay in touch with them. Yes, obviously. I got their contact information. Yeah. I told them to whenever they got their institutional email of their respective schools mm-hmm. that they're going to, to right. keep in touch. And uh, right. I, I think mentoring never stops. You know, right. even for me, I still keep right. in contact with high school teachers, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. My college professors. Right. Um, right. And so everyone needs a mentor. You know, you know, yeah. you know, yep. Your situation and what happened in your lab w- was extraordinary. I mean, you probably wouldn't have predicted anything quite like it. But the whole partnership and capstone experience, I think, is an amazing gift there are very few schools that I know of in Monroe County, for example, um, suburban, urban, private, public, where um, selected students would even come close to having an opportunity like this yes, has right. been. And it's an opportunity even when you know an, a, a unique bacterium isn't identified. And I think I think they're very lucky. I think you all are lucky. I think we're all lucky yeah. um, to be watching this. One of the things that's very important to me is to. Um, to expose students and to give them an opportunity, but also to, to 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 show the scientific community that underrepresented students could do it just as well exactly. as anyone else. You know, exactly. Um, for a lot of times, the the mantra was, "There's not enough. We right. don't have the pipeline. Right. We don't. You know, That's we right. can't find them. So right. forth and so on." And mm-hmm. um, they're there. You just they're have there. to um, whether right. it's the faculty, right. um, on the on the faculty mm-hmm. realm, whether it's mm-hmm. on, from the students, um, right. et cetera. Um, you just have to find it. And this is why peer impact is so important Absolutely. because to provide an opportunity to where someone, um, where students see someone from their same race That's right. or age, Absolutely. demographic, yep. socioeconomic yep. background, yep. immigrant status, mm-hmm. so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it makes, it's very hugely impactful Absolutely. because what it says, there is a, there's an example right. and I exactly. could get there. Thanks for listening to Intersections, the RIT podcast, a production of RIT Marketing and Communications. To learn more about our university, go to www.rit.edu. And to hear more podcasts, find us on iTunes or TuneIn or visit us at www.soundcloud.com slash RIT Tigers.